For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of Falcons Trench Talk here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host. He is Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, an odd game, a weird game, a difficult game, but a dub uh, that we have. So I'm happy about it. How are you feeling? Uh, just going back and looking at everything about this game, whether it's rewatching it, which you know, I'm, I'm in mid-first quarter right now. Um, or, you know, the funny stats, the interesting stats. I know you have some good ones ready to go. I, I can't help but laugh. Like, I, I, honestly, I can't help but laugh. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a it's a division win that you needed. You know, you're 2-0 in the division, which is huge. Um, and, you know, your first place. And also just even in the whole playoff picture, you know, with how the Lions looked last uh, Sunday as well, you, you're, you're looking in a solid spot right now. Um, so... No, overall, it's good, but I'm still laughing about a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, all we can do is laugh or, or we'll cry or, or break down with insanity <laughs> because that's that's what it was like watching exactly. the game at times yesterday that led to a lot of, you know, spicy tweets for myself, certainly. But I mean, when you fumble the ball inside the tent three times, like I, I'm unleashing the fury. OK, that's too much. Like two times. OK, I was still I was still with you there. But the third time. No, that's that's when the tweets get fired off, especially when it's in that manner. But, um, you know, I know mm-hmm. we we I know you were sort of the first one to get on this about, you know, probably not being Drew Dahlman's fault with this with the, the botch snap uh, exchange on that second turnover. And it seems like Ritter agrees with you because that's what he said. And I mean, even if he didn't agree with you, he, he did the right thing, taking responsibility. Yeah. there. But, um, you know, the first one, we both agree. That fumble probably not on Ritter. You know, that's just the defense making a great play and the, the offensive line not making a good play as a result. The third one. And a bad play sequence from the play caller, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, I man, I hate empty on third down with this team. Like, it's just like, you, you this, this team used to be the team that on third and seven would every once in a while they would just run. And, like, it would work sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. so I just, I just, I hate how that puts them in that situation. But I know you have your issues with it, too. Hey, folks, just want to bring you a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Everyone, it's a Texas showdown in the MLB postseason, and BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns that you need. You can also get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. 
They've got everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through to the World Series. And with football, they've got everything you need to get you through to the Super Bowl and the college football playoff. So what are you waiting for, folks? Head to that website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Just don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L. EAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Well, I mean, it's a couple of things because, you know, obviously it's, it's no surprise in one-on-one blocking situations. Some of the guys that you're hoping that we could rely on and I get it. Caleb Gary hasn't always been the best pass blocker, but we've seen he's really, he really has had his fair share of struggles and, and with certain types of rushers too this year a speed rushers is gives give him problems right brian burns we knew about it week one shaquille barrett's one of those guys that is kind of like that too of course it didn't help that matthew bergeron got beat as well but my whole issue with it was you know you were under a minute left you ran a fullback screen on second down for okay (laughs) do do what you want to do i guess um, that doesn't work. So now Let my thing cook. is, hey, <laughs> yeah, but I, if, you, if you don't cook, I need to see some seasoning put on that, uh, put on that chicken. And that was and way too much mayonnaise on that, on that one. one. Yeah. yeah, too much mayonnaise, not enough seasoning. But uh, my thing too was, okay, that didn't work. Settle for the field goal, right? Let's settle for a field goal, run the ball on third down. If you run it, Tampa doesn't call a timeout because they're thinking, hey, we don't have what it has, we, what it takes on offense to score a few seconds left. Perfect. You know, you, you win that drive. If they do call a timeout, hey, you trust your defense, which is uh, pretty good, um, to make sure that Tampa doesn't get down the field and score. So the fact that they are still aggressive and greedy, trying to get a touchdown there, and then, like you said, you're an empty, it's obvious pass situation, and the defense knows you're not throwing anything short of the goal line there. So yeah. that's where she has time to get home. They didn't need time because it was a clean win, but that's why I just didn't – I wasn't happy with that. I mean, I, I think that – 14 points were taken off the board in this game from offensive miscues. And then at least three were taken off from coaching miscues. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to watch. It's very frustrating. And it's why, you know, I, I pulled up this stat before the show, just because I was trying to figure out like, you know, the, the foul, I tweeted a little bit about it too. Like the Falcons over the last three games have put up over 400 yards in each game. Incredible stuff. Considering before that they had put up like 180 and then like Mm -hmm. uh, less Mm -hmm. than 300 in the, in the, proceeding too so they've rebounded I mean this is exactly what you were hoping to see which is like okay like if Desmond is going to keep this job you know I think after week four I was like he has two weeks to prove that he can move the ball or this is going to get really ugly and he's probably going to get benched and he has proven like he had his best game in week five and they've moved the ball it just hasn't ended up in the end zone like it that's the yeah. problem <laughs> they've moved exactly. it so that so it's better than weeks three and four where they didn't move it and it was just hella ugly and just disastrous and painful and all those buzzwords that are just not very much fun to utter. So we'll stop there. But <laughs> it's they are now twelfth in yardage after being among the league's worst uh, over the first four games. They're I think like fifteen in net yards per attempt. Which if you had told if you had told anyone after week four that the Falcons would just three weeks later, be 15th in net yards per attempt. They would have told you you were crazy. Um, and that fa- and net yards per attempt factors in uh, sacks and stuff like that too. So it's, it's a little bit more robust than just yards per attempt. But um, they're also, you know, obviously great running the ball. They're eighth in rushing yardage. So like they're moving the ball. They haven't been the most efficient 
on the ground. Uh, but that's been getting a little bit better, especially this week. But like, despite them being 12th in yardage, they are 29th in scoring. <laughs> Um, and I and before the show, I was like, oh, I wonder how bad that really is in context. So for context, out of there are no other teams in the top 16 that are under 21 and a half points per game. The Falcons are at 12th uh, and they're at 16. But the, for, for reference, the 16th team in yardage, the Dallas Cowboys, has almost 26 points per game. Uh, and the teams around the Falcons both have are, are both in the, the low 20s. So like, I think what that means is that this is this is probably an outlier statistically. Now, how much of an outlier we still don't know. But like, just like I was saying with the sacks before the Commanders game, where like they only have five sacks, but they're top three in pressure, so we should expect them to get more sacks. What do you know? Eight sacks mm-hmm. over the next two games. Maybe that's going to come around in terms of the scoring as well, Jordan. Uh, but it's just the turnovers. So it, no, exactly. And, and I mean, just to give some context. Right, because th- this is how much it hurts and stinks. <laughs> um, so 29th means that you have three teams below you in terms of scoring offense. Here are some of the teams that are below the Falcons right now. Las Vegas, New England, and the Giants. Right, and all of those teams, I believe, are one, two win type of teams, at least right now, right? Now, even some of the teams that are above you, think about Pittsburgh and their struggles, both offensive coordinator, quarterback, offensive line, I mean, you name it. Uh, the team you just saw, Tampa Bay, it's 17.2. The team you're going to see coming up, t- uh, Tennessee, and their number might go down, not even just because they're playing our defense. But Ryan Tannehill is going to be out for a while. So it's you know it's either going to be uh, uh, Levis, the, the guy from Kentucky, or Malik Willis. Carolina, with all their struggles, is ahead of you. Um, the Jets are still in, in front of you. You know, it's just that you look at some of the teams that are above you, and it's it's head scratching based off of what we do know about their offenses and what we know about ours. And but like you said, it's it's the turnovers, and this is what makes it so hard about evaluating the Falcons right now because it's easy to say, "Oh, if you just take out the turnovers, this is a good team." Yes, I don't disagree at all. They're a good team with the turnovers. Right, like that. That's <laughs> what's so frustrating about it. <laughs> yeah. That's what's so frustrating. Oh, but the other part of it is, if the turnovers keep popping up on tape, you have to account for that of what they are going to be going forward. Like, remember, there was a one game where Desmond did not have a fumble, didn't have an interception. It's like, okay, there we go, here we go. Let's see more of this, right? And I think I think that was the Texans game. So the next two games after that, you we have as on an offense and again like i'm not placing blame right now i'm just saying as an offense we have six turnovers three turnovers in each game so i don't I'm not saying that i'm a football genius cuz i know i'm not but i'm willing to bet if you average three turnovers per game your odds of winning are not very good <laughs> so you know we we got to find a way to clean those up we 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 just do um you know i wouldn't expect desmond to fumble at the goal line anymore I think that after the second time that it's been close, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh that ball security around there is going to be a little bit more important. Yeah, he's going to hold on um, like a baby from now on, like two hands, right, it's, like it's, you know, just like ah. <laughs> it's going to be like who was a uh, was it Dan Connolly? I think his name was. <laughs> he was the offensive lineman for the Patriots. Remember that that Sunday night game? He gets the ball in like the first five yards, just holding it like this. Like okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Don't know that. Oh wait, I'm free. Let's take off. Here we go. Like I want to. He's yep, gonna yep, start yep. holding it like this. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> got to protect, got to protect the ball. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, exactly. Uh, exactly. yeah. So it's, you just got to see it like it, 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 that, that type of stuff. It's, it's inexcusable. It's, it's young player mistakes. It's really frustrating. Um, you know, but it, uh, it's as frustrating. It's as frustrating as it is correctable. It's like, that's easy coaching. It's like Des, like he's going to get his ass chewed. Uh, I guarantee it. I, I mean, I get people were mad at me for calling him an idiot on Twitter and it's like you think he's they're like oh that's disrespectful. What do you think Arthur Smith said to him on the sideline? If you if you just just mm-hmm. see you know I don't I don't know if you guys know but there's there's harsh language exchanged uh, between coaches <laughs> and players on the sideline and in the meeting rooms. Uh, so th- they can handle it, guys. Okay, like they're they're you know they're not little snowflakes. I'll, <laughs> I'll even take this sometimes because I've, I've definitely had my fair share. Actually, I'll, I'll give you this funny story. Um, Twenty. Was that 2016? Yeah, 2016, we're in the Pac-12 championship going up against, um, no, 2015 season. We're in the Pac-12 championship against USC. This is the year, and I know we got a lot of Alabama fans and the Falcons, uh, the, the Falcons fan base, but it was the year Christian McCaffrey should have won Heisman over Derrick Henry. And I'm in later in the game. We're, we're blowing them out. Um, so I'm lined up against Zach Banner one of the the tackles for USC and I think was their quarterback was, I think it was Cody Kessler. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, get by Zach Banner and I still to this day, don't think it was late. I know a lot of other people don't think it's late. I hit him. I hit Cody Kessler and boom, flag comes out. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. I did not just get rough in the passer on ESPN, national TV, <laughs> all of this. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, all right, well, it is what it is. Next play. As soon as I say that in my mind, here comes uh, one of my teammates to take me out. It's like, Jordan, Jordan. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So jogging, I'm jogging yeah. off the field, yeah. right? So Coach Shaw, I see him walking on the sideline to where I'm, like, coming off the field, right? <laughs> so I see that. I start veering this way. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm not dealing with this right now. <laughs> he starts walking faster. And I'm just like, okay, you know what? It's <laughs> coming. All right, I'm ready. It. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And yeah. yeah, he 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 got into me a good bit uh, on the sideline for that. And funny enough, we had our um, team banquet the next day, uh, and and he actually came to our table. You know, I was with my parents and some other players and their families. And he was just like, "Hey," just, he shook his, he took his hand out. And at first, I was like, "What's going on?" Okay, he's like, "I just want to let you know, I watched the play again. You were right. That's not roughing the passer." <laughs> that was that was a bad call and then i was like hey you know what it's okay it's all good but in my mind it's like yeah i knew it yes i, I knew, knew it. it yeah yeah <laughs> yep but, but uh yeah. yeah so sometimes things get a little heated on the sideline they do. uh they just do. to let people know it's tough love you know like uh and, and you know people that know us like we're, we're not trying to bury ritter like we we're we're trying to call it like it is and and that was that was one of the biggest mistakes he's made his entire NFL career, I would say. At least the most egregious mistake. But, like I said, it's as egregious as it is fixable. That is not something mm-hmm. that's difficult to fix, which is why it's so frustrating. But, like, it, it just, you know, put it in the off, put it on the hand that's that's toward the sideline, and you don't let up until you're, you know, pretend you're about to do the Lambo leap, Ritter. I don't care. Like, you need to keep some speed so you can jump over that yeah, fence, okay? Right, right, Whatever right. you need to say to get your ass into the end zone. But I, I don't think we're going to have that problem again. Um, I think we all know that Ritter is not an immature quarterback. That's just a, 
uncharacteristic mistake um and and you move on and you got the dub so you know if you don't get the dub after that then you're getting flamed on national television yes. uh probably by everyone so very very mm-hmm. fortunate um that ritter alt came out and redeemed himself and won the team the game so so props there but um we should give the the offensive line some props though you know it, it, this is trench talks we should yes. we should give those guys some props because we had said it coming into this game this is going to be a tough test for this offensive line. The Bucks' pass rush is good. Vita Vea is awesome. They have a really good run defense. The, the Falcons' rushing attack has been struggling, and they get it done. It's not the most efficient day on the ground, but they, they put up over 150 yards rushing. They mostly keep the pocket clean. I think Chris Lindstrom, once again, showing that his struggles early in the year were just a blip. Um, and yep. you know, like you said, Drew Dahlman, I think is the third highest ends up with the third highest grade on the team, according to PFF. So, uh, let's give these guys some flowers. Cause they, they, outside of that one play, you know, Caleb McGarry on the other end of the spectrum in this one, I think he was the lowest graded offensive player, but for the most part, I think, I think they, they had a big bounce back this week and, and were instrumental in getting this done. It was, it was a statement game in my opinion, in terms of like you, you mentioned the whole concept of what had been going on the last few weeks and of not being able to run the ball and again it's not a team that's easy to run the ball against it's part of the reason why people don't even try to do it and the Falcons said I don't care we're running the football uh now of course you did have some of those one yard gains two yard gains but you also had a lot of big gains it wasn't like a sometimes if you see a, a game on the ground and to me, there was like, oh, well, if you take this one run away, they actually <laughs> had this. It's like, no, we had a couple of those runs. So yeah. it was consistent. And so that, that's what I love so much about it. Again, I, anyone who knows me, and this is from, you know, watching him or playing against him, so to speak, it was never I was on the field with them, but playing against someone, he was at Washington. It's been I've, I'm a big Vita Vea fan to be that big and that mobile. Speaking of, you should see his high school highlights because he was a running back. Yeah. Um it's amazing you, tape. You believe that or not. It, guys. it is yeah. actually amazing. It really mm-hmm. is amazing. So uh the way he moves for as big as he is is incredible. But I thought the Falcons did a relatively good job with him. I know he'd been injured lately. I don't know how much that injury was affecting him, but at the end of the day, when you go with an odd front, which is what Tampa likes to do a good bit, he's more so like a true nose. You're gonna get some of those double chips, right? Trying to get to that next level. And I thought the Falcons especially if you look at that first drive, look at some of the push that they got on Vita Vea. That doesn't happen very often. I don't care if you're double teaming or single teaming him. That does not happen often. So you got to give it credit. And, you know, if you want to, if you're one of the people that likes to take PFF for, for the, the be all end all, you got to give a lot of that credit to currently the highest graded run blocking center in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Your boy. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, no, I, I just say that because, again, I, and yeah. I get it. You know, there have been some issues, especially the first, you know, the first year or two with, with Drew. I get it. Not trying to say he's perfect. You know, and I've, I've always said, I want to see what he does when there's more size against him. Like yeah. this game. And he had a good game. You know, yeah. I, I know people were ready to get on him for that fumble. I still don't think that was on him. I know if you ask a quarterback, a quarterback's going to say, yes, it was on him. If you ask an offensive lineman, the offensive lineman's going to say, no, it's not on him. <laughs> uh, that's just kind of how that goes. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I will say that I thought overall, and yes, there were some low snaps later in the game. Got to still work on cleaning that up. Don't 
you know, I'm not trying to go over that. But in terms of the actual blocking game itself, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jake Matthews had a big bounce back this week. He he had some he had a tough time last week against the commanders. This week I thought played really well. Um and yeah, I mean Bergeron again, he's just been sort of average this year, but being an average starter as a rookie is absolutely fine. Like that that oh, yeah, is absolutely. not the absolutely. worst thing in the world. Uh, and it's really not a problem, honestly, as long and he's really he's not someone that's been hurting the offense. Uh, so I, I, I do appreciate his contributions, even though, you know, between him and McGarry, that first fumble was definitely on those guys. But, you know, right. it, hey, he's playing a new position uh, and I don't think he's been a negative for this offensive line so that you, you take that and he's going to continue to grow and get better there. Um Outside of well, the other, again, I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say at the end of the day, you know, like I said, new position, but also he's in the NFL in year yeah. one. Yeah. Usually for linemen, it, it, it doesn't all click. Like I know there's some special outliers out there, but they're outliers for a reason. Usually for linemen, it doesn't click until year two, year three of when you're really that dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, I mean, perfect example, one of the best left tackles in the game right now is Andrew Thomas, you know, from he's from the yes. Atlanta area, Pace Academy. Mm-hmm. For the Giants, a lot of people were getting on him early of like, man, he's not it. But now he's one of the best tackles. Panay Sewell, who I was very high on drafting in Atlanta, right? Again, right away in Detroit, was he one of the the best? No, but look at him now, right? It it takes time. It does. It takes time for some of these things to develop, especially up front. It does. And yeah, like Andrew Thomas is a perfect example because he, people thought he was a bust after year one. They're like, oh, wow, he's awesome. Exactly. Um, And then what do you know? He's actually good. Yeah, it's just exactly. people there try. You, go. you can tell people over and over again that like, yeah, it's it's really hard for offensive line to do well as a rookie, even really good ones. And you know, it, when you get drafted that high, it's just it, it's fans are going to be upset no matter yeah. what. Yeah, but yeah, it's and because I would always I would always tell people this, you know, because people always say the speed of the game is different, right? When you go from this level to that level, this level to that level, which is a thousand percent true. Now imagine the speed of the game increasing. But the person that you're lined up against, the person that you have to read is only lined up a couple inches away from you every single play. So it speeds up even that much exponentially faster, mm-hmm. right? So that's it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And I think overall, Bergeron's still doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. He He's not a liability. He's been pretty average, and that's fine uh, because I, yeah. I, we all know what his ceiling is, and it's, it's really high. Uh, and I think he's just scratching the surface. And that's really the... That's really the whole theme of I think of today's episode, trying to take this in a more the the post game we got we vented a lot of the anger about that game. Uh and, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of anger to vent. Uh but today I think it's more about that this team is scratching the surface of something that can be really good, I think. Um and and it started to come together more and more every week on offense. It just hasn't ever like I think the Texans game was the one week you could say, like, yeah, this this thing actually came together on both sides and, and the offense actually you know, played a good game, but even then it wasn't Ritter's turnovers. It was other players turnovers that kept that down. Mm-hmm. So like, even that game wasn't mm-hmm. perfect. So like this team right. has still not pl- played a complete game, but they're four and three, they're two and zero oh in the NFC South. And they have a head to head win over the likely team that they're going to be competing for the division against in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. with a chance to sweep them with a home game now, uh, which is absolutely critical. Like you've won the road game. You've won the tough game. Now you just got to win at home to complete the sweep and get that head-to-head tiebreaker. And, you know, the Saints are not playing well either. 
the the Panthers are out of it. <laughs> the Panthers are done. They're they're no longer in contention. Yeah, um, they're, they're done. Um, and it's and you've got you know uh, a head to head. So you're you're just in really good position now with a stretch of games coming up that that should you should expect to win two of the next three. Um, and and you're hoping to win three of the next three. And I think that should be mm-hmm. what you're expecting. But two and one is probably re- the most realistic outcome. But if you if you manage to do that, then you go into your bye week at you know six and uh, six and four. If you're two and one, and and you're feeling pretty good about that at at this point uh, for for this team. Um, you know, yeah, you, I mean, you just it's, win it's crazy. a couple more. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. No, you're you're 100 right, and and it's wild because. Remember, I said last week, go three and one, right? Before you go to the bye week, which obviously that means we go two and one um, for these next this next three game stretch. Well, the one game that I thought was the, really going to be the toss up, you won it. Mm-hmm. Well, this might as well just go four and zero oh because again, <laughs> Tennessee, you're going to have either a quarterback that's really hadn't played at all in in, in, in Levis, or you're going to have Malik Willis, and we've seen he hasn't really performed that well just yet right on um in the nfl stage and then the vikings well we'll see more about the vikings and who they are or what they can be without justin jefferson tonight and so they go against another good defense with san francisco and they're also missing a couple of o-line pieces i'm not sure if they're going to be back but before we have to play them yeah. um the week after and then, of course arizona which look don't sleep on arizona i know their record right now is one and six but they are pretty tough team i watched them out here when they played against yeah. um when they played against san francisco uh that, that's a tough team you know yeah. um but they're, they're not at the a end push of the day, yeah they're not exactly but at the end of the day i would say that you can very much so go four and oh in this stretch so if we all of a sudden look and we see we're seven and three going into the bye week that matchup with new orleans coming out of that you're in a very good spot to make some things happen yeah, yeah. So we we got a lot of football left, but being four and three at this point, it gives you the flexibility to be like, we are just scratching the surface because it hasn't gone perfectly, but we've scraped out four tough wins, and mm-hmm. in spite of it, basically, like we we haven't played our best football yet, and we're we're still able to we're still having a winning record in first place in our division. So everything yeah. now is is if we can just get a little bit better every single week then this team could be cruising in a few weeks. Like, it's just, it's frustrating as hell to watch, but <laughs> that's that's sort of where they are. But, you know, the, the one part of the team that, again, is sort of beyond reproach, the defense. Like, it, oh, I mean, just, man, it's yes. better than our wildest, it's better than our wildest dreams. Like, we're, we're halfway through the season, essentially, and this team is, let me, let me pull up the exact numbers. This team is ninth in scoring, which obviously is the most important, fourth in total yardage mm-hmm. allowed, they are seventh in yards per play allowed. They are seventh in passing yards allowed. They are ninth in net yards per attempt allowed. And now they have even improved to be eighth in run in uh, rushing yards allowed. Uh, I'm sorry, gonna, I just I just yeah. started I just started crying because you, you were, yeah. read off those numbers. This is so yeah. beautiful. Exactly. Uh, so beautiful. And I mean they they are a legit top ten defense. And the most the the number that I like the best is the third down defense. Uh, the yes. Falcons are third in the NFL on third down, allowing just a 33.7% conversion rate. And they are fifth in the red zone, allowing just a 38.9% conversion. Those are the two numbers that tell you a lot about a defense, regardless of anything yes. else. And 
the one more I'll reference real quick because this is a this is a lot of times the number that tells you that that can be a caution sign. It doesn't necessarily mean the defense is bad, but it could be a caution sign. Is how many turnovers are you generating? If you're leading the league in turnovers, it's like okay, are we really this good? Or mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. the Falcons are twenty fifth? The Falcons are twenty fifth yeah. in turnovers, so it's not that <laughs> they're not. It's actually like we should expect them to get more turnovers and be even better. So mm-hmm. it's. I think at this point, it's clearly not a fluke, Jordan. I think the guys up front have a lot to do with that. Oh, I mean a thousand percent. And look, here's the thing. Uh, usually, you can tell how good a team is in the situational metrics. So, like you mentioned, what do you do at the end of both halves? Right. How much do you give up? What do you do in third down? What do you do in the red zone? I'm saying this both offensively and defensively. And so the fact that you mentioned out those numbers shows you how good this defense is. And like you said, it starts up front because, I mean, again, even if you want to look at the third down efficiency, there's two things I've seen that really pop up and take for the Falcons this year on defense. One, they get teams behind schedule early because if you run, you're you're going to get maybe a minus two, minus one one yard gain at best so you're already behind schedule on offense but also if you do stay on schedule and get to a third and one this defense really bows up and you're not you're not getting it in that obvious run situation i mean we can go back to week one yeah that fourth down fourth down stop against carolina which i said again for short yardage goal line technique it was teach tape right so those are two things that i've really seen that keep popping up and i mean also just the effort there was one play, I, I saw it on, on the tape already, but Dupree, the, the Bucks were running a zone play to the right. Now, usually if you run zone, you do not block the backside in because it's, hey, you're too far away from this play. You're, you're not going to get there. We're not worried about you. But because the front side, with Onyemata was over there, I believe it was Calais over there. Why you run to that side, I don't know. But they do. They're double-teaming Grady. So first off, uh, the running back, I believe it was White for Tampa, Already didn't have anywhere to go, so he's slowing down. So guess who makes the tackle for losses? But Dupree. So give him credit for hustling down the play. But at the same time, it was, again, every person's responsibility on that front did their job, and that's how he makes that play happen. And you keep seeing it over and over and over, and now you're starting to see it even more with some of those depth guys, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, LaCale London, I thought, had some bright moments yeah. in this game. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Taquan Graham had some moments. I see Zach Harrison starting to have some sack opportunities. And that is something that's really dangerous for offenses because all of a sudden we can keep those the, those starters fresh as possible towards the end of a game. And, of course, long picture in the end of a season. Oh, my goodness. Look out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. Like, LaCale London <clears throat> ends the day, ends up playing 32 snaps. Uh, so I, I think this is the last week he's on the practice squad. I think he's getting signed this week. Um, uh, yeah. And and it's that he brings up a good point, and I don't want to get too off on a tangent on it, but they they've been like shuffling, looking for this guy. Like they they didn't end up keeping Timmy Horn on the active roster, which I think surprised a lot of people, myself included. They didn't really keep a true nose. Instead, right. they've been sort of cycling through some of their practice squad guys, trying to see what they have there. They've pulled in they, they had timmy horn for a few weeks they they tried taquan graham there a little bit they had signed eli anku and had him play some there they've tried albert huggins as well yep. like they've been rotating through all these guys and none of them really was was showing it i mean timmy horn had some flashes all these guys have had a, a, some flashes here and there but 
Lakeo London now two games of him have looked the best so far of, of any of those guys. And I think this game, giving him 32 snaps, I think was was sort of like, okay, I think we're we're starting to see that they have trust in him to be that guy. On the inside, I mean, out-snapped, mm-hmm. out-snapped Taquan Graham, out-snapped Zach Harrison. Like, they, they seem like, okay, this is the guy we want now. We, we've found our guy. And I like that. It's like, you don't have to be complacent with with your your bottom of the roster guys like give your other mm-hmm. players opportunities let's see what we've got here um and and that's how i think how they've found guys like Lakeo london like the, you know giving giving him a chance seeing what he's got and and he's clearly i think earned his way onto the roster at this point um so so props to him but again you know david on yamada steals the show once again uh i feel like this man has a 90 pff grade like every single week at this at this point you know, absolutely. And it gets to your point who you're talking about, you know, the bottom part of the roster. I always believe that how good the bottom of your roster is, or the, the, the quote unquote worst player in a group is, is going to give you a better idea of how good that unit is versus your best player. Right. I mean, again, even if we want to look at offense, no matter who you want to say it is, whether you want to say it's Desmond Ritter, you want to say it's Drew Dalton, like who, whomever the case may be, whatever the, how that player plays, is going to tell you how good that unit plays, right? Like I said, if it's Ritter, Ritter goes out and plays like he did against Houston, you think that offense is going to do pretty well. If he doesn't have two of those fumbles, again, you put up 30 points probably in this game. Um, and so, yeah, in moments where, look, especially in the interior defensive line, you're not going to play all 60, 70, however many snaps it is. That's just not going to happen. So if you can bring a guy in and I know this week it was 32 snaps. You bring a guy in and he can spell some of those frontline guys and you don't have to worry about hey if they have this big plate it is because you did not do your job. That tells you how good good a group is and now the fact that like you said they might be able to solidify you know those backup D-line spots because of what Lakeel London's been doing the last 2 weeks that just shows you once again that's how good this defense is. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned Taquan Graham too. I think he deserves some props yeah, in this one. Yeah. He had a stop as well. Lakeo London had two stops, um, and know, a fumble recovery, and a fumble recovery. Uh, and you know, and the guys that did get sacks in this game, you know, I do want to give props because Baker Mayfield coming into this game had been sacked only five times. He was the least sacked mm-hmm. quarterback in the NFL. The Bucks had. He's obviously. I, I think people don't understand. Like he's just very like slippery. Um, not yeah. known as like a running quarterback, but he does run the ball well when he needs to. And he's just, he's just slippery. That's always been who he's been going back to college. He just yes. ducks and dives around stuff. So like you see Zach Harrison get absolutely embarrassed by him. And yeah, that's frustrating, but that, that's what he does. Like that's his thing. Um, but the Falcons managed to still notch three sacks on him, um, which is really impressive. Obviously saw Calais get, get another one. That's always great to see. Um, and we, we saw, I think we've seen Lorenzo Carter, getting more snaps and playing well when he's been called on. Um, yep. And obviously David on Yamada, just awesome getting a sack there too. But, yes. you know, we'd be remiss again, if we didn't continue talking about Nate Landman, who, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the best linebacker on the team. <laughs> like, and you I'm know, not, and that's not slander on Caden Ellis either. That's just like, it's, it's pretty incredible. No, absolutely. And, and, and I think the thing for me, and again, I hate, Part of me almost hates saying this, but it it is part of reality. When you know you can't be taken off the field, your confidence and how you play, it does go up a certain level, right? Like, he's out there as much as he is. He was going to play regardless if Troy Anderson was hurt or not, but he's out there as much because Troy was hurt. So it's, I can play freely. 
You know, mm-hmm. whether I mess up, don't mess up, make this perfect play, miss this tackle, whatever. I got to be out here so I can just let loose and, and go. And I think that's when you look at it, that's how he's playing again. He had the forced fumble, perfect punch on the ball. Again, I would say to uh, Tompkins for Tampa Bay, dog, you won 55. Don't go back (laughs) into the middle. Just don't do it. It's that's that's, you don't want to go there. You don't want those problems. Nope. Um, Nope. But no, it was a perfect punch. Again, you saw him in coverage. Yes, it was a little tug. I'm, 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 I'm he's a linebacker it, what do you want yeah no exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. but you know you you make that tackle in open space on chris godwin to force a yeah. third and long instead of who knows, maybe he gets the first down you don't make that play he's just doing things consistently every single week that is awesome to see and again it looks more like his colorado self and i know like kevin you and i we've talked about that a few weeks in a row so i do highly encourage Anybody, if you have time, you have access to YouTube, just look up Nate Lamb in Colorado and you'll see what we've been yeah. what we've been saying. Um, I also want to give credit to the secondary for some of these sacks because these aren't the a lot of these sacks the Falcons have got, they weren't the you you had your initial move, you beat the guy up front, so boom, you got, you know, you had a sack like that. No, a lot of these were Baker had to hold the ball because of what we were doing on the back end. And so since he did. You know, that's where some of those sacks came from. Now, that being said, I would also implore secondary and Zach Harrison, you too, because like you said, you talked about um, the one play where Baker got him. Mo- slow down just a little bit yeah. when you get yeah. around the quarterback. So you can, you know, you can move just a little bit more and make the play. Because I think we saw, was it Richie? I think missed one. Jesse Bates missed one. Yep. And, and then also Zach Harrison. So again, you think about that. We had three sacks on a guy that's been sacked five times all year. And it could have been six. Yeah, like that. That's just how good this defense was performing. And again, how I talk about it, I know it sounds nitpicky, but again, how close they are from putting up even better performances on mm-hmm. a, on a week to week basis. Yeah, exactly. And we just some breaking news. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, Kevin Bayard just traded to the Eagles from the Titans. Mm. So, so speaking of that game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how does Howie Roseman keep getting away with this? You can't keep letting him get away with this. Well, I, I'm like, like seriously, I, I, yeah. I, I, I need to I know what the compensation it. is because I would have, I would have been calling about him if I was oh the Falcons. But gosh, I just, just because he's so good, like I, I don't even care. Like, yeah, are we paying? Would we be paying two safeties big money? I don't care. Kevin Byard's good. He's perfect next to Jesse Bates. But no, my dreams well, are dead. So, well, shoot, look at. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say this: if they're gonna start. Fire sailing. I mean, I don't think they'll get rid of Simmons. Simmons is too young, but Autry, I would take Autry in a heartbeat. I I would take the Autry off your hands. Yeah. And never hurts to ask. Yeah. I mean, look, we're just having a conversation. (laughs) We're just having a conversation. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And there's the relationship, right? You know, I mean, I'm just saying. Um, Arthur, right? Arthur. Hey. Yeah. What's up, guys? How we doing? Yeah. Never, um, never hurts to ask. Yeah, it does not. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, but yeah, on the, on the topic of Lamb and it's like, I, I do, I'm just so happy for him to, to, that he looks like his Colorado self. Like we've talked about it so many times. It's mm-hmm. just like, he was on this trajectory to be like a top prospect, devastating injury goes undrafted falcons keep him around for multiple years while he's still recovering he's on the practice squad he's on the roster a little bit this year he ends up being the third linebacker and people are kind of like shocked by it i think like oh wow they got rid of michael walker for nate lamon who the hell is this guy and it's like well Mm -hmm. 
it's all, and and I think we've known it's like well if he's healthy like I understand why they're making this decision because instinctually and like processing Nate Lambin is very advanced. He was like a fifth year senior, so like yeah, I'm I'm not surprised um, that they would have faith, but. It's just, he looks like he's getting back to his athletic ability too, uh, which was another part of his game that was special. And he's, he's, this is a great scheme fit for him too. Like he can just be yeah. back there in the middle and, and, and crush it. So, um, yeah. He's, uh, he's so playing against a D line group that for the most part, they're going to keep offensive linemen off of him. Yeah. Which like, is perfect. Again, yeah. his, his stats might be down, but the way Grady Jarrett's playing, playing selfless, by the way, taking up double teams to let other people run free. Uh, I mean, as a linebacker, what else would you want, or what else would you want to, you know, play behind? But again, like I said, he just knows this is his chance, so might as well just let it rip, let it go. And yeah. you see that all the time in sports, right? I mean, was the, the Chicago quarterback Tyson Bajent? Was that is that is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, all right, here you go, you got to make things happen, and you know they get a thirty to twelve win, snapped I think a ten game home losing streak. For Chicago, even down in a college, you had Heisman candidate, college football playoff candidate, USC and Caleb Williams going against Utah. And if you look at the injury list for for the Utes, it's incredible. Right. And I'm talking like NFL good guys. Right. And so, of course, Cameron Rising's been out all year. They started this quarterback who was a walked on, I think, from a 1A school in Utah, who was a I think they said like a hog farmer pig farmer yeah yeah something like that right and the running back because of the injuries there he's actually a safety mm-hmm. and they go down and they beat usc but it's again it's well i'm here here's my yep. opportunity might as well just just you know it's house money like, let it let it's it loose. House money. there you Let's go, go. Yeah. exactly so it's always awesome to see people take advantage of those opportunities and 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 just like i said play freely because usually if you're someone in that situation you can't help but feel like you're looking over your shoulder. Like, yeah. I better play this perfectly because if I don't, this might be my one rep of the game. But Nate doesn't have to do that. So it's it's good to see him take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy to see that. We're, we're obviously happy to see that. And, you know, the, the whole team is just kind of coming together. The whole defense is mm-hmm. playing well as a unit. And that's, that's the, the great thing is that they're not overly reliant on one part or another they they seem to complement each other well and and they're really yeah. well coached i mean it, you can see it every single week in the second half they just lock down the opponent like maybe they they've gotten they've gotten had in the first half a couple of times where they've given up some points but the second half they're just they're on it it's like okay we've seen your offense now we, yeah good luck you know you might get one more score but that's mm-hmm. it um and the, yeah no i agree with you i was going to say the the most fun part about for me to watch this defense they love playing together. Yeah. You know, it, it's just obvious. I think that, again, I'll go back to week one, Carolina fourth down stop. Look at how everybody was celebrating. Look at how Ryan Nielsen was was going crazy. I, I believe they even highlighted that. Well, I think we had a big stop maybe two weeks ago. Maybe it was a Houston game. And the announced the commentators were talking about, like, look at me, look at them just jumping up and down and going yeah. crazy, right? Um, now, of course, partially because of age reasons, Kind of hard to have that with Dean Pease, right? Like <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. might not be able to have as much energy and going crazy uh, mm-hmm. with him there. And that's not not a knock at Dean Pease at all. It's just, hey, my father time gets the best of all of us. But yeah. it, you can just tell how contagious the attitude and energy is with this defense. You got to credit 
all the leaders for it. Credit Ryan Nielsen. You have to credit Grady Jarrett. Credit Calais Campbell. Jesse Bates. You know, list goes on and on and on. But you could, it pops off on the screen to me how contagious it is and how fun it is and how much everyone's happy for everyone's success on that defense. It goes a long way in terms yeah. of being a good unit. It does. And, and people like always underestimate the, in, the like untangible, the intangible stuff. Like how much fun yeah. are you having? If you're having fun, you just play better. Like people want to make it like, Oh, it's a business. Why are you having so much fun? Like that's part, it's a game. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it like if you're playing well, you should be having fun. Like, not only should that be allowed, it should be encouraged. And the best teams are the ones that are having fun. Like p- these guys love this game. We love this yes. game. Like you should enjoy it. Like, and I'm glad that they're able to do that. It's been a long time since we've seen a Falcons defense actually enjoy being on the field. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you remember how yeah. like it was Grady Jarrett's quote, like mid last year, you know, same bleep. It's another year, right? Yeah. Like you could tell the frustration was there. I don't see that from him. No. I see him laughing and smiling more in press yeah. conferences. Like it's just, it's a different energy and yeah. it, it it's palpable. It's, it's just so obvious. So it's just really cool to see. Um, and I mean, I think even to an extent, I know there've been some frustrations and turnovers, but even when the offense goes well, you see it there too. Yeah. Right. Like it, 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 like overall as a team, if there's one thing that I think Arthur Smith and just the coaching staff in general doesn't get enough credit for, it is establishing a culture where you can see everybody wants to play with each other and they want to see each other succeed and they have fun doing it. Uh, I think that's something that, you know, me included. Uh, people haven't given this coaching staff enough credit for. Yeah, I mean, and and the culture and and the ability to bounce back from the difficulties that's critical because you could easily see a scenario like a situation where you you spiral after week four with this team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have two bad games in a row from Desmond Ritter. The team turns on him. Uh, the coaching staff tur- starts to turn on him, get more and more critical and harsh and his confidence is shattered and, and, you know, it's a, it's a spiral and we get Heineke in here and maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't, but the team just goes down in flames mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. Like it, it, you know, there could still be a disaster. Like who knows, but um, it's, you know, that didn't happen. They fought through it. And like as much frustration as we saw, it hasn't been so much that it's affected the team. And, you know, the, and it's, it's interesting to finally see like, it's actually the defense that's now like the leader of this team. And, and I, I mean, I, even when the defense was good in 2017, that wasn't the case. Like it, it was the right. offense still. Um, and it's just a new experience to see like, okay, it's, it's the defense. That's where the veteran leadership is. That's where this team has all of that's, that's the engine. Like the defense is mm-hmm. the engine. Um, and it's, it's nice to see. And it's like, it's even more impressive, you know, speaking about the turnovers and how the Falcons defense are not, they haven't generated a ton of turnovers. They're 25th in turnovers and they're still this good. Well, look at it the other way. They're dealing with an offense that's turned the ball over as much as anyone else in the NFL. And they're still this good. Like, they're being put yeah. in awful situations, having to play all these extra downs, and they're still this good. So I think it's like, you look at all the stats, everything, Every you look for all these warning signs that maybe it's not as good as the stats say. Maybe the stats aren't, are just only telling one part of the story. And I think it's pretty clear that it's not like all the stats are telling us that actually the defense could be better. <laughs> like it, it could be better. Yeah. Uh, and, and it very well may be better, uh, which is scary considering they're like seventh at this point and, and they could be better. So. And to your point, I, I always believe this. There are certain tendencies that you see a, pl- a team play with that will tell you if those numbers are real, 
or you know, can they change? And if they do change, how are they going to change? So, for example, you talked about the turnovers for the defense, right, causing turnovers. The tendencies are there. People punching at the ball, gang tackling. Because if you gang tackle, two things can happen, right? One guy wraps up. Next guy, you, you're coming, you're punching at the ball, you're trying to rip it out. But also, you have people there to recover the fumble if, if the ball gets out, right? And, I mean, on the on the back end, too, how many times have we seen uh, passes batted? Usually, if you yeah. bat passes in the air, there's a reason why, you know, everyone knows for defense, there's a phrase, tips and overthrows, got to get those, right? Quarterback wants to over, um, throw the ball past someone's head, usually going to have somebody there. Or whether it's the receiver does it, the D lineman does it, or the person in coverage does it, you tip that ball in the air, and again, people swarming to the ball, someone's going to get there to get that interception. We're seeing the tip passes from the Falcons. We're seeing pursuit to the football we're seeing multiple guys get there. We're seeing people punch at the ball. So they're doing the tendencies that you want to see that would, in your mind, equate to you're going to force some more turnovers. Um, and then, of course, also you're seeing more pressure on the quarterback, which will lead to some more errant throws. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think, to your point, because they are doing that and that's showing up on tape, that, that will lead to more turnovers in the future. Yeah, and and that just means the defense will be even more dangerous. Uh yeah. So and hopefully set the offense up with some some good field position and, and help them out because they still need the help uh, quite a bit. So uh, yeah, because they didn't get it from special teams. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, as mu- you know, as much respect as I have for UCF legend Mike Hughes, it's time to see somebody else back there. So uh, you know, I don't know who at this point. You know, does Van Jefferson return punts? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he does. Oh, I was. It, it was just so funny because uh, I, I was. You know, when we're on, I was. I tweeted this or posted this the drive before it happened um, because I think, you know, we had a punt return, wasn't very far. And I was like, all right, when are we going to make a a change? And one of my friends said, yeah, who like really, who's going to be. And so I tweeted out this uh, or I posted out this song lyric. Right. And if you're from Atlanta, you know, about DFOL, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm starting to see spaceships on bank. The reason why I said that, because there's a, there's a song by DFOL called Scotty. So that's that was like my hint of, you know, might as well put him back there since we don't use him. Of course, like next play, we throw a 48 yard bomb to him. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know what? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just shut, I'll shut I'll up just about shut him up, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, because again, there is, you know, whether he does return it, there isn't much there. Or there have been certain decisions that have costed the Falcons yeah. both time and also yards on do you fair catch here? Do you let the ball go? And so if we're talking about field position with an offense, those are two things that are very, very important. So that yeah. that there might have to be able to look at a change in that. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, that the bad field position is not helping the offense either. So I think at a certain mm-hmm. point you do have to figure something out there. I, I don't know who you go to. Um, you know, Scotty Miller doesn't exactly have a star-studded, you know, resume there um, in terms of his ability to return punts, but he, he has returned kicks. You know, Van Jefferson has one kick return in his NFL career at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it not a lot of, of proven stuff there. You know, maybe you go see if you can find somebody. Um, you know, maybe you see if if one of these guys on the practice squad has some kick return, like punt return ability. But um, it's, it's just not great. You're not really getting anything there. But I, I also understand that they're probably not wanting to go out and spend any resources to get somebody mm-hmm. anything significant because you've got Avery Williams. So it's like it. This yeah. isn't going to be a long-term thing. This is going to be, we got to get through this year and then Avery's coming back. But um, 
Maybe maybe like a, when they draft another wide receiver, because they're probably going to draft another wide receiver this year. Maybe maybe that wide receiver could have some punt returnability. Like that would just just to have another guy with that upside would be good. You know, maybe. I wonder what uh Devin Hester's forty time is yeah. around these days. Hey Devin, what's up? <laughs> right, we're getting we're getting the band back. back together. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I I oh, can think man. of worse. I can think of worse ideas. Uh, so we'll we'll see. How funny but, would it be uh, to yeah. see Cordero take a kickback and then Devin Hester take a punt back in 2023 for the same team? Both of them go line up in the end zone for kickoff returns. <laughs> Devin Hester, Cordero Patterson together, you know, just oh, that, just man. for that picture. That would be beautiful. Uh, right. Just for that. <laughs> man. Well, Jordan, uh, it's been great as always. Uh, nice to get to talk about a win even though it was hella ugly mm-hmm. uh <laughs> guys today's show is of course brought to you by bet online uh jordan he's that big 75 fella i i keep forgetting the name of your show uh i, I feel so please tell the people your show and and where they can find it uh because i should know by now because you've only said it like oh, we've only been doing this for six weeks seven weeks now so <laughs> no no worries it's, so it's called the uh falcon fade podcast and again so clint goss and i we are actually in the Atlanta area with a show three to four Eastern on Mondays. So it just ended right now. Um, so it's on 99.1 if you're in that area. And then we also do a post, I mean, a, a, a preview show that gets out Saturday morning. So wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to both of those as well. It doesn't have to just be on the radio. Um, and yeah, no, we just, it's a good time. Of course, we, we recap. The game that happened, we got recorded on Sundays. It goes out on the air on Mondays, and then we have a show that goes on Saturdays. And just some more fun Falcons content for y'all to check out. Clint does an awesome job. You know, I try to put in any little wisdom I can here or there too. So yeah, feel free to check it out. Yeah, guys, definitely check it out because I know you guys. You're if you're watching four episodes of this every week, then <laughs> you know not putting us down or anything. But you know, you probably also are looking for more Falcons content because you're ravenous for it. So definitely go. check out the Falcons fade podcast as well guys i'm kevin knight at falcoholic kevin make sure to check out the site thefalcoholic.com as well for all that great written content uh leave like and subscribe if you're watching us here on youtube if you're listening to the podcast please leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice uh you can check us out and support us on patreon patreon.com slash falcoholic live also uh check out the community discord server link to that is in the show description guys thank you so much for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday night for Falcoholic Live at 8 p.m. Eastern. Talk about this game tomorrow. We'll be joined by uh, Joe Patrick of 92.9 for that nice. one. And uh, the game preview on Thursday, talking about this Titans game. I'll be joined by Justin Mello over from Draft Network, a rising NFL insider and, of course, a big Titans fan as well. So we'll be talking with him. So we got some good stuff lined up for you this week and uh, hopefully in preparation for another big dub. Get, get two Need games it. above Need 500 again. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Keep guys, it thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on 30 Birds and Brews Podcast. Have a great day, folks.